the Ramadan of Sheikh al-Hadith Muhammad Zakaria rahmatullahi alayh as written by Dr. Ismail Maimon and translated by Asim Ahmed, published by Madaniya Publications in August of 2010. Book 1, Chapter 8, Page 71 There are other reasons why people fall under this deception. A few are mentioned below. The first reason, as mentioned previously, is that knowledge of the internal actions and the place where that knowledge becomes action is one and the same. Also, the first stage of Iman by which one enters into the folds of Islam is inclusive of the highest level of Ihsan. In the Hadith of Jibra'il salam, the highest level of Iman is mentioned distinctly in the following ayah of Qur'an under the word Aminu. Ya ayyuhalladheena aminu, aminu billah. Shah Abdul Quddus translated this as, O people of Iman, gain certitude, yaqeen. As the highest and lowest level of knowledge of the internal action of Iman derived from the same source, likewise their manifestation also seemed the same. Even though in actuality the difference between a person who possesses the highest level of Iman and the one who possesses the lowest is greater than the difference between a mountain and a granule. For example, if one observes two Muslims, one who has attained the level of Ihsan and the other who possesses only the very base level, and both are giving one rupee in charity, the observer will see no difference in their action, except for the fact that the Blessed Prophet said that a mud, 1.7 pounds, spent by a Sahabi in the path of Allah weighs more than a mountain of gold spent by anyone else. The second reason scholars are deceived into thinking that they have achieved Ihsan is because their religious work, instruction and propagation of deen. Scholars quickly rise to positions of fame and are given titles like Mufti, Allama and Sufi etc. Even righteous shaykh will pay them respect in following of the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ that he respected the leader of every people and other such similar reasons. Though many a times this show of respect is actually an allusion to a spiritual condition in the scholar. For example, if our sheikh addresses someone in his letter with Mukarram, my respected friend, or Muhtaram, my honourable friend, instead of Azizam, my dear, it indicates that he is displeased with them. These are the ways of the Muslihin, the rectifiers, the shayukh. Therefore, Sheikh Abdul Qadir Raipuri feared the affections of his sheikh. Sometimes he clasped his hands in front of him and begged him, Hadrat, because of your affections and love for me, I begin to think you have written me off as unworthy. Hadrat responded, No, Malvi Saab, I am never forgetful of you. There are many incidents of his humility in Abiti. The third reason is that one sees the fruits of his efforts and religious work in deen and sees himself rising in position and respect. And the truth is that such a person who dedicates his life to the work of the deen is truly most deserving of respect. But with the condition that it is done with humility and in servitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But in order for one to gain this humility and servitude to Allah ta'ala, he must first eliminate the self under someone. Instead of becoming someone, he must become no one, which quite naturally is a most difficult task. This is why the self, the nafs, makes excuses to avoid this path. Sometimes it objects to the innovations and carnal acts of false claimants to shaykhhood, peers, 
and compares it to all the good work he is doing for Deen. As a result, he is unable to reflect on the necessary and good traits he himself is deprived of. Such a deception should not entrap a scholar, especially when he knows how much the Qur'an and Sunnah emphasize the importance of humility and the dangers of arrogance. It is said in Imdad al-Suluq that the knowledge which takes a person from humility into arrogance and from obscurity to fame is the same knowledge which the Blessed Prophet sought refuge from. Despite their knowledge and greatness, our pious elders, the likes of Hazrat Nanotvi, Hazrat Gangohi, felt the need for a sheikh. In fact, even in jurisdictional matters, they followed the mujtahid imams. Though it is not impossible, juristically and rationally, to achieve this objective oneself, it is generally difficult in this day and age. However, propriety, adab and love for the sheikh is absolutely essential for this path, a love by which one feels desirous of his beloved. One of the main elements of love for the sheikh is unconditional submission, inqiyad. To derive full benefit from one's sheikh, I will only mention one of the conditions of unconditional submission, so that every murid can judge for himself if he is truly a murid or not. The definition of a murid is one who is selfless. Imam Hadrat Mujaddid al-Fithani writes in one of his letters, Only those murids have the ability to derive the full benefit of the path of prophethood and friendship, wilaya, whose intellect is subjugated through complete surrender of the self to their sheikh. For example, if a man is standing in front of the murid and the sheikh tells the murid to grab both his hands, the murid must grab both his hands. In fact, if the sheikh tells him to grab the third hand, the murid must put his thoughts aside and stretch out his hand to grab the third hand. No one should think this is Sufistic talk, as the Blessed Prophet ﷺ himself taught unconditional submission and every Sahabi in accordance with their personal effort attained some degree of this quality. The less unconditional submission one had, the more deprived he was. Therefore, in one narration, Abu Ubaidah in Shama'il al-Tirmidhi says, I cooked some food for the Blessed Prophet ﷺ. I knew the Blessed Prophet ﷺ liked shank, so I presented him with shank first. The Blessed Prophet ﷺ asked for another, and I gave him another. When he asked for another, I said, Ya Rasulullah, a goat only has two shanks. The Blessed Prophet ﷺ replied, I swear by the one in whose hands is my life. If you had stayed quiet, the more I asked for, the more I would have come out, the more that would have come out from the pot. Hadrat narrates the opinion of Manawi in his commentary of Shama'il that in reality this was a great blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and if he had complete unconditional submission in the Blessed Prophet sallallahu pieces of shank would have come out from the pot for as long as he asked. But as he became apprehensive, which was not suited to the occasion, the special blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was removed. The channel of the faith and divine blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the shaykh who takes the place of the Prophet Any wavering in the murid's unconditional submission or any such thing that appears as an objection can be cause for the blessings and special bounties to cease. Therefore, he who takes his knowledge as ignorance and his personal views as darkness before he arrives at his shaykhs will take his full share of the shaykh's faith. If he comes to the sheikh with firm belief in his own knowledge and views, he will not get any share of the sheikh's faith. 
no matter how great the Shaykh is. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy on me. I un understood the answer to my question and objection and I realized my own reality this Ramadan. It was due to this unquestioning belief of unconditional submission that Hazrat Abu Bakr became a Siddiq al-Akbar and the lack of it that Abu Jahl became accursed. It is the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that the very group whose mission in life was dedication to the deen and thus was the most deserving and worthy of the company of the shaykh are farthest away from them due to the aforementioned reasons. This is why it has been observed that the shaykhs are unhesitant in accepting the general public in bayah, but extremely precautious about accepting scholars in bayah who are well respected in society. In fact, they may even wish to take them in bayah but will never say or emphasize its need in front of them. In this regard, one can read the thought-provoking discussion between Hadrat Raipuri and Sheikh Manzur Nomani, which he, Sheikh Manzur Nomani, narrates in his book, What is Tasawwuf? In Hadrat's response to such people, scholars of high standing living under this deception, who wished to take bayah with him was, Your intention is great, but your choice is wrong. So-and-so amongst the elders are alive. You may take bayah to whomever you feel closest to amongst them. There is still another group amongst the scholars who do bayah and busy themselves in dhikr and ashgal, but do not fulfill the condition of unconditional submission to their shaykh. They can never be made aware of their self-deception and deprivation and usually wind up blaming the shaykh for their lack of progress. They become jealous of people who take bayah with the same shaykh but who progressed tremendously because of their unquestioning belief and unconditional submission to him. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by his grace and blessing save us from the deception of shaitan and the self and grant us his love and pleasure. The Ramadan of Sheikh Muhammad Zakaria One benefit of the gathering in Faisalabad in Ramadan of 1980 as an expression of my gratefulness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I would like to mention one more important point since Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed me with the opportunity to be in Faisalabad this Ramadan. The month of Ramadan is the best time for the practice and devotions of Tasawwuf. The practice of 40 days of Etakaf adopted from the elders, which is now in practice in Saharanpur and other places in India, had not yet been established in Pakistan. The lofty objective, the revival of dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Ummah, of spreading this practice to other places in the world using the Ramadan of Faisalabad as a model was why Hadrat left Medina to spend his Ramadan in Etakaf in Faisalabad despite his deteriorating health and weakness. When the schools are in need of help or aid they call upon the people and take help from them. Likewise is the case with any other work of Deen. The nature of the Hanka system runs contrary to this as the Sawaf is about eliminating the self and being vigilant over one's internal state. This is why we never see anyone calling others to open their khanqa. For this reason, Sheikh Yahya and I decided to establish a model of the khanqa system in Karachi, as there has been one for the people of Punjab in Faisalabad, and as many of Hadra's successors reside in Karachi already. If these scattered lights and powerhouses gather together, they can establish a khanqa system there. We shared our idea with Sheikh Abdul Hafiz, who gave his full support and called Sheikh Al-Hajj Muhammad Zubair, his brother Mufti Shahid and Sheikh Yusuf Ludhiyanvi, to gather in one place for dhikr. In this setting, they would be able to guide and help others in the path of Saluk, establish the system of bay'ah and spread the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
they would have one combined Khanka, like the Khanka of Tana Bhavan, with the successors of Miyaji Nur Muhammad, Hadrat Haji Sahib, Hadrat Hafiz Damin, and Sheikh Muhammad Tanvi lived in one place. The Khanka was called the Store of Ma'rifah, Gnosis of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. People came and took bayah with whomever they felt comfortable with. Every one of the three poles, Haji Sahib, Hazrat Hafiz Damin, and Sheikh Muhammad, thought nothing of themselves and held the other in the highest regard. As Sayyid the Ta'ifa, Hazrat Haji Sahib said to Sheikh Rashid bin Gohi, Do not debate with Sheikh Muhammad, he is one of our elders. And the statement of Hafiz Damin is known. He gestured to a newcomer to come in and then said, If you have any judicial questions, go to the big Sheikh, pointing towards Sheikh Muhammad over there. If you want to take bayah, Al-Hajj Sahib is sitting right over there. And if you want to smoke a hookah, then you can hang out with your good old friends, referring to himself. Anyhow, they took up the idea and started the gathering of dhikr. And the memorial of our elders, Jami al-Islamiyah bin Nuritan, became the blessed venue for this gathering. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, willing this gathering will be a source of success for this school and will help protect it against the evils fitna in these trying times. On his return journey from Hijaz, Hadrat stayed in Karachi for two days. He was overjoyed by this program and told many people about it. During his stay, he announced after the bayah that those who wish to do more than the prescribed daily devotions should know that my friends gather every Friday from Asr till Maghrib, during which time the gathering of dhikr is held and the books of Tasawwuf are read in Darul Hadith in Jamia Islamiyah bin Nuritan. Everyone should try to participate. You may obtain your copy of the booklet of daily devotions from there. And if you have any questions, you may ask my friends. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make this khanka a success and allow it to flourish through the humility and taqwa that reflects the humility and taqwa of our elders. Humility and taqwa are essential for high spiritual rank and when working together. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also grant people the ability to gain maximum benefit from this khanka.